Welcome, boys and girls, to episode 65 of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Coming to you live from high atop, well, almost live. Practically. Yeah. From high atop the Mellow Mushroom here in Metropolitan, Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, I'm your host, Nate Larkin, here with our fearless and peerless engineer, Mondo Grimes. Mm-hmm. Howdy. And uh, our, our, we do not have the Commodore with us today. No. He's not on a 405. He's not... Uh where eight billion places he likes to visit during podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron is now on sabbatical. Ah. Last I spoke to him, he was building sand castles professionally hmm. on Venice Beach. Who picks up a, a profession during sabbatical? <laughs> Aaron does. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to miss him sorely, but it's all right. We've got a we've got a. a a visitor and a guest today. Some great people. We got yeah. Bill Loki in yeah. from Onsite. Awesome. And uh, a new friend just met last night, David Jones, in from Gulf Shores, Alabama. Yeah, buddy. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here in the studio, guys. Thanks for having us. Well, we've had a a layoff here of a few weeks. Oh man, like a month, really? Yeah, I know. I know it's terrible. And, Time and, flies. And why is that? Well, it's mostly my fault. It's my fault. Really. Okay, I was Basically. wondering if you were going to own it. I am. I'm owning it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was off traveling okay. uh, with my bride, and we had a marvelous time awesome. uh, driving through the Northeast. We, you know, in the summertime. Mm-hmm. This time it worked according to plan. We actually went north mm. during the summertime, mm. and uh, where where it was cooler. Yeah, you don't like the cold or cool I, or nothing. I don't like. Yeah, I yeah. don't like to be. I don't want to be too cold. I don't want to be too hot. Right. I want to drift north in the summertime. I want to drift south in the wintertime. Now, did you go? How far did you go up? Uh, we went to almost to Maine. We went to we went to Massachusetts. Yeah. out into Boston Harbor. We had a great time. It was wonderful. I thought, and I had a, 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 a that I still had that massive writing project to complete, and I thought I could finish the NASCAR book on the road. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you set yourself up for that. <laughs> so when we got back, I had to bury myself in that book. But yeah. hallelujah, turned it in, sent it to New York on on Sunday. Yeah, it's done, it's in, and I feel like I got my life back. It's so good to be back in the groove and back in the podcast. And yeah, man, how about you? What'd you do during the layoff? Oh man, there's been a lot going on. Went to uh, July 4th. Went to New Orleans. Oh, and uh, this uh, music festival down there. Of course, there's tons of them. You know? Yeah, 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 right. right. Uh, spent some time with some friends down there. Uh, interesting story. Went tubing mm. and uh, jet skiing. Had an accident while tubing. Oh no! Uh, my buddy is kind of like one of those evil Knievel wannabes. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, he he has a, a a drive to throw you off the tube. Uh huh. Uh huh. Pushing about fifty miles, oh, fifty-five yeah, yeah, miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. And turning and threw me off. And man, I promise you, I look like a little pebble skipping across the lake. Oh! And were you out on Pontchartrain? No, well, we were up uh, like Slidell area, like okay. in, like North, you know where the yeah. Bay area yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, okay. We were up there and threw me off. And I promise you, man, it, it I felt like I was going forever. Oh! And then face face first, bam! So we you know that impact where you stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face first, bam! Oh! <laughs> Both contacts came out. Oh no! <laughs> now I'm blind. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and so, so, and it was never good when they come pick you up. Uh-huh. They're like, "Man, that was sweet." Then they look at your face. They're like, 
uh, yeah, come come out, come out, come, come out. And I'm like, what? what? What's wrong? They're like, J- just, just get in the boat, just get in the boat. Like, what's wrong, man? So apparently my whole face was like black and blue and bleeding. Uh, and it's like, and it looked like I got hit by a gorilla. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, just yeah. straight smooth across the face. When I got back to the house, I looked and my whole eye was, by that time, I, I can tell I'm feeling it. It's puffing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, so you feel like you just. Yeah, and I'm looking at my guy, Troy. I'm like, man, you're you're a nut. I like, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here plotting, trying to figure out how the heck I'm going to get you back before I leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, okay. so so yeah, that that was I've been trying to recover from that. Hurt my knee while I was out there jet skiing because we were playing with dolphins. That was pretty cool. He has dolphins right in his backyard. Uh huh. So that was kind of nice. Wow. You know, playing with the dolphins, I went out there and I tried to do too much and yeah, and, yeah, yeah end up yeah. twisting my knee. I'm like, this is the most yeah. brutal holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to middle age. <laughs> yeah, obviously, man. Yeah, obviously. So it, it's been great, man. A lot of a lot of cool stuff going on. Got the the folks coming in next week. Nice. Gonna spend the week. Oh, it'd yeah. be good to see him again. Yeah, man. Yeah. So it's a lot of cool stuff. The summer's been pretty cool, man. Good. Pretty, pretty, pretty Fantastic. good. Fantastic. Absolutely. All right. Well, when we come back, yeah. uh, we'll take a look in the mailbag. Yeah, and we also have a mini meeting, mini meeting today. See if I can get it out. Yeah. Mini meeting today. We will do a mini meeting. Yes, yeah. we will. And we'll have right. our guests later on. So We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Bobby's got a dust of 79, a bottle of Jack and a 45. Points it at his head and he starts to cry. Too proud to ask me to save his life. In a limo on the Upper East Side Playing Russian roulette with the long white line His wife gets a call at 3 a.m. Saying Billy ain't never coming home again She asked me why And I said I sure wish you believed Well everybody's free And I'll help you if you ask me to And we're back. Well, a look inside the mailbag. I see we got some communication here. At by the way, the yeah. email address uh-huh. for our listeners. I, we have neglected to uh, tell them about it for mm-hmm. quite some time. Is samsonpodcast at gmail dot com? Right. That's right. Yeah. Samsonpodcast at gmail dot com. Right. Now, Je- uh, Justin Tripp knew where to get us, and so he sent us this note. Hey, podcast pirates! This is Justin from the Palatka Pirates. I really enjoyed the podcast lately. They've not only been encouraging, they've also helped me to learn different ways to look at things and ways to grow. Mm. I've been really wondering lately how I would be able to take my Silas relationships to a deeper level. Half the time it feels like most of the calls are just a a superficial thing. I'm not sure if it's just me, a selfish lack of concern, or what. I have some great guys in my group and some great brothers and friendships, but I believe I'm missing the mark Somewhere, any advice and direction would be greatly appreciated. God bless you guys, and what you do. Hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, and in my experience, it is always a struggle. We always have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's it goes against our natural inclination, I think, to get deep and stay deep with other guys. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I think, first of all, I think it's good to have realistic expectations. Mm -hmm. Not every conversation is going to be a real deep one, and sometimes right. we need the relief of a superficial, vac uh, a superficial conversation, mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of put ourselves back together. Right. Uh, but uh, if we see in our regular relationship with the guy we're walking with as a Silas that we're just not going deep anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a you know it's just a here's what I'm doing, but we're not getting to what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not getting to the more uncomfortable emotions of you know fear, anger, and resentment, or sadness. Uh, if we're not talking specifically and currently about what's going on today, mm -hmm. then that's a sign that the Silas relationship is just degenerating into a superficial friendship. Mm -hmm. And it has such potential to be so much more. It's a tragedy to let uh, a Silas relationship degenerate to that point. So uh, some suggestions that, that I would make are, first of all, um, make sure that you, as the guy who's being called, uh, in your conversations, in what you're sharing, make sure that you are being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, vulnerability goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're talking about, you're sharing your weakness. That helps encourage mm -hmm. your friend to, to share his. And um, I think it's crucially important uh, to anchor those daily phone calls that you get from the guy you're walking with, is Silas, with a regular meeting. I like to meet my guys once a week. Mm -hmm. um, Typically, it's a one-hour thing. I meet him early in the morning. That's how it works for me. Uh, we grab a cup of coffee and start mm -hmm. a walk. And um, it's really helpful to, to uh, agree together to, to walk intentionally down the path mm -hmm. so that each week you're tackling another piece of that path. Mm -hmm. You're asking a guy uh, to do a little homework. Mm -hmm. to uh, in his daily journaling to uh, to write a little bit about the course and consequences of his attempts to live apart from God, for example, uh, to get specific on uh, where he is in his own heart in relationship to his own story. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that still is undefined for a lot of our guys. Uh, that's why next project uh, I'm tackling with with Dave Bunker, who we've had a couple times here All on right, the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dave and I are going to get working uh, this summer on a a a, a, a guide uh, a, for the path called the Path of the Pirate Monk. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, uh, a a trip to a Forty Eight Hours of Frankness, or, oh, yeah. or you know, or a refresher with some uh, guys. If you've already been there, uh, a return to some of those exercises will help take your conversation deeper than you know you know the typical male conversation would ordinarily go any anything to add well i'm just curious i mean i've i've heard this quite a bit from some other guys that i know mm -hmm. and 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 they i've i've heard the question you know I love it, but it just seems like it's not doing anything for me. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, and my question is, what are you putting into it? Yeah. You know, um, I have a hard time believing if you're putting everything into it that you're going to still make that same statement. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
So, you know, that's one thing I will challenge is really be honest with yourself and look at what you're pouring into this solace relationship. Yeah. You know, you can't expect, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a wealth of information and, and, and comfort and healing and accountability if you're not being truthful or if you're not, if right. it stays shallow, what's right. the point? Yeah, right. Why waste the minutes on the phone? Right, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, and also, too, I think, uh, you know, one particular guy, he was asking me about, uh, he just always feels rushed. Uh-huh. You know, the phone call, his his size is always busy. Yeah. You know, and, of course, that, that creates an uncomfortable conversation when you feel like, you know, you're making your call for the day and your silence is trying to get you to hurry it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you have to take that into consideration, too. If you don't have the time at the moment, schedule a time where you, you have more time yeah. to actually invest, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I just think keeping or those. Go, or go the voicemail route. That's, right, yeah. That's yeah, not man. a bad way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but really being selfless about it. Yeah. And I think if, if, if both parties come to the table selfless, yeah. it's going to be sweet. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there is also the possibility that your so this status relationship may have run its course. You may True. absolutely. Yeah. It, it's it it's 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 always possible. I mean, you're not married to the guy, mm-hmm. uh, and the assumption is that that is a uh, that is not a permanent relationship. It's part of a long journey that you're taking with a bunch of guys, and it may be time if you just can't get there with your current Silas to uh, shake hands, uh, thank each other, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and connect with somebody else on a daily basis. Yeah. All right. Well, when we return, we will do this week's mini meeting. Awesome. Oh, a pirate's life is a wonderful life, a roving over the sea. Give me a career as a buccaneer, it's the life of a pirate for me. Oh, the life of a pirate for me. And we're back. With the mini meeting. Mini meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I need some music for that. We do, we do, we do. <laughs> well, welcome to this uh, mini meeting of the Samson Society. We are a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who've recognized the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright and natural strongmen who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for teaching, for worship, for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experience the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. We have now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest strictest confidence. We tell the truth. uh, We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is... Comparison. Yeah. Comparison. But we are not uh, confined to that subject. Uh, You may share, uh, speak about any issue that's currently commanding your attention. The floor is now open. Mm. 
Well, I'm Mondo. Hey, Mondo. <laughs> you looking at me, it kind of picks me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comparison. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is uh, how I am versus what I desire to be. Mm. Um, that's the first thing that struck me. Um, and I think daily I think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I compare where I am compared to w- what I have jotted in my head or down on a piece of paper. You know, my personal goals as far as my being, uh, personal achievements, family life, things of that nature. I, I think I'm constantly comparing myself to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure if that's a good or bad thing necessarily mm-hmm. uh, as I think about it, but, but I, I know I'm constantly comparing myself to uh the places I desire to be as as a man, as a father, as a husband, uh, as a friend, um, you know, and and also comparing myself currently to how I have been in the past. Yeah. Um, there was a time where I would compare myself to others quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, and I find myself chasing constantly, mm-hmm. just constantly chasing the wind, never catching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, uh, in the place I'm in now is you know comparing myself to how uh, I may have been at some point mm-hmm. how I am now compared to how I desire to be and um, there's a fine line I think between where that can stay healthy but it's one click over and it becomes unhealthy I believe um, I think uh, while having a Silas mm-hmm. where you can actually you know dump those things or uh, having a place you know like the Samson meetings where you can get everything out on the table actually hear yourself you know audibly uh, helps define those lines for me definitely yeah um so um comparison is interesting uh because i'm definitely i I know right now i'm definitely in in that spot again i think i'm there every day you know but i'm just trying to figure out how can today be better than yesterday how can tomorrow be better than what i see today yeah you know and uh the good the bad the ugly you know Mm -hmm. and um so i think from for the most for the most part, I'm in that space, but I'm, I'm glad I'm away from comparing myself uh, to other things or other people and trying to keep up with either the Joneses or the Williams and, you know, whoever it may be, you know, mm-hmm. and it's never really it's always feeling there's a sense of failure because you just never achieved that thing. Yeah. Um, but but God didn't give me what he gave the Joneses, mm-hmm. you know, he gave me what he gave me. So how can I maximize that? How can mm-hmm. I make the, you know, the best of all the potential that I've been given? versus trying to chase somebody else's potential. So, um, But when we said that, I think a script fell to the floor, a scroll, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> of different things of comparison. So uh, you gave me a lot to think about today, actually. So but I'm Mondo. Thanks, Mondo. Yeah. Well, I'm Bill. Hey, Bill. Hi, Bill. And uh, as soon as you said comparisons, one of the things for me was um, I go to the place of contempt because I either... Um, if I'm comparing myself with you or with someone else, I either usually am trying to find how am I better, uh, so I feel good about me, or I'll wind up uh, seeing how I don't compare well, uh, and I have contempt for myself. Um, and I find myself um, that on my better days, I'm like Mondo, I can stay away from the away from the comparison. But on my normal days or my worst days, I find myself in that comparison place, at least with other people sometimes. And and um, and it's not a good place. And I know that if I can spend my, take some time in the morning to do some meditation or just to kind of get that 
connection back with God to go, wait a minute, okay, I'm going to be all right today. Um, then I can really let that go. Um, but I oftentimes um, had a person ask me one time, uh, how do you know when you've been successful? And I uh, thought about it and I thought, oh, well, I guess when I've done like twice as much as everybody else, which of course never happens. And um, so I really put this pressure on myself. And um, that, again, never really works. And uh, so the comparison thing, um, I know when I was, uh, um, had a sponsor one time that really helped me also in another 12 step group. And, um, and it really was helpful to help me see how if I can just lay that aside, um, it really does a lot better for me. And so I think, um, I think my struggle is each day I have to just kind of watch where am I that day. And I always know if, I'm, if I wind up doing that, if I find, up, find myself really trying to do that comparison, that I'm usually in some sort of shame. And some sort of shame spiral has hit me. And, um, and I'm trying to find my way out of it. And if I can at least think, well, I'm as good as this person or I'm doing as good as that person. And that really doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's you know, what's going on inside of me. And if I can usually find the source of that shame spiral, then I can usually bring myself back up out of that and, um, and find what I'm feeling, which kind of as you were talking earlier, even with the, uh, the person that had written in, uh, and that makes a big difference for me that I can go there and find where the source of where I am am okay from. So, um, thanks. I'm Bill. Thanks, Bill. I'm David. Hey, David. Uh, Nate, thanks for uh, allowing me to sit in because I'm the ultimate Samson uh, new kid on the block, I guess you could say. Uh, having read the book recently and driving up for a meeting, uh, when I think of comparison, the first thing that uh, popped into my mind was not comparing myself to other people necessarily, but comparing myself and my righteousness to God's righteousness. Uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, uh, us versus God, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags compared to to that of Jesus Christ. And and sometimes when I get to those places that Bill was talking about, where the the shame cycle starts and the comparisons with other guys. I have to just go back to that and realize that nothing that I can do will put me on a pedestal anywhere near my Savior, and I have to lean on Him for all of my needs and, and my wants. And and uh, it's uh, it, it's a place of humility where we have to just humble ourselves before God and say, "Hey, I, I I'm just I'm as, as a filthy rag, but because of what You did for me." Mm-hmm. I'm also an heir to the kingdom of God. So, uh, and that that comparison is uh, <laughs> far beyond our comprehension. But uh, I, I'm just thankful for being here and being able to experience this. You know, if there's anyone listening today who who may be contemplating, you know, further delving into this, I, I would just have to say, uh, after attending the meeting last night. <clears throat> And fellowshipping with you guys and being around you guys, uh, th- this uh, this society is not for the faint of heart. It's for guys that want to get real. And I'm at to that point in my life where uh, I'm at a stopgap, and it's time for me to get real. And uh, just so looking forward to uh, what God has for me in the near future uh, through this Samson Society. Thank you. Thanks, David.
Yeah. Well, I'm Nate. Uh, boy, it's amazing to me how deeply the instinct uh, is uh, runs in me to uh, to compare myself with other people and to gauge my value based on uh, you know how I think that comparison stacks up. And uh, when I'm doing it. It's because I, I know it's because I base my value on some attribute that I own, some gift uh, that I've been given, uh, or some accomplishment, some work I've done. It's very much it's a, it's it's an external thing. It doesn't have to do with the essence of me. It's what I can what I can produce, how I can perform, how I can look, and I base my value on that that external thing. So that even even if, in my mind, as and I have to admit it, uh, all too often, you know, I kind of pat myself on the back. I look around the room and I go, Larkin, t- well, you're the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> you know? <laughs> go you! You know? <laughs> um, it's, that does, that is so toxic for me. Uh, because I am valuing myself above other people uh, because of something I have accomplished, or more often, something I haven't accomplished, something I've been given. Uh, and uh, and in the process now, I am treating other people with contempt. And also, because it's so important for the sick part of me, the sinful part of me, to be in that place, um, I, I have uh, this urge to show people only my better side to hide my weakness, to overstate my strength, um, to to create and sustain a persona so that I can continue to imagine that I'm better than other people. And you just cannot have an authentic relationship if you're not an authentic person. Those conversations wind up fake. You can call it a friendship, but it's well, you're gonna to have to bleep it if I say it, but it's. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I'm in. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it is in the end. I mean, just so sick and shallow. And for me to think that my value rests on 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 some paltry accomplishment of mine, or some gift that I've been given. Uh, I do know that I am a restored son of the Sovereign Lord. And I know in that regard, I'm like every other man I meet uh, in the Samson Society. And I'm not loved or valued any more or any less than anybody else. And what God desires for us, what He wants me to enjoy, is that perfect friendship between equals, uh, where I don't need to impress anybody, and I don't need to feel contempt because I don't I'm not identical to another one of his sons. Uh, if I can appreciate our differences without putting value on them. Uh, I mean, that's the point that Paul makes when he talks about uh, the body of Christ. There's so much diversity, but there's no value attached to that diversity. One part is not any more valuable or important than another. Um and because you know, in this culture, uh, 
God's made me a mouth. Uh, you know, I have the ability. I'm fairly articulate. I can talk. I tend to assign more value in my own head to talking than to other things. And so, uh, so then I talk too much. And uh, with that, I'll stop. Thanks. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> that was abrupt. <laughs> going to keep talking. No, I just realized what the hell I was doing. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with our guest in just a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Maybe a rock and roll addict dancing on the stage. Money plus at your command. Women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. And we're back. See, I just got a text from Aaron. Uh-oh. Uh, on the job. Had to leave at 5. Sorry. So, 5 a.m. he had to go, presumably, to the beach. Let's text him back. Sabbatical? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Sandcastle building business is a tough gig. Uh, <laughs> I love that man. dude, man. He's so adventurous. Yeah, he is. He's he always is. No, in He man. described, uh, actually, sheer hell. Uh, having to haul sand in buckets for 300 yards to fill a, uh, uh, yeah, and, and then water and doing it all day long and pa- and then pounding it. You had to you had to uh, you had to uh, uh, consolidate the sand. You know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And it's not 65 degrees. You know. Yeah. Over there yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 Good so he was out on Muscle Beach, but he said it's uh, one of the top three people watching places in the world. I'm sure it is. Yeah, well, they don't have AC like we do right now. That's right. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, it's about time to interview our guest. By way of introduction, uh, Bill Loki. Uh, Bill, what, what is your uh, official title? There? I'm clinical director. Clinical on-site. director at Onsite. Uh-huh. Okay. For those of you who have not heard of OnSite, actually, a lot of I've referred a great many people to OnSite, and uh, we've had some pretty good representation there. Uh, you know, this journey of recovery, it is a journey and it takes time, and we can grow impatient, um, and it can uh, it can it can become difficult to make sure you make a meeting on a regular basis to make the daily phone calls. I want to tell you, sometimes there is great value into just taking a few days or a week out of your life to do nothing but, uh, you know, recovery-based stuff uh, 24-7. And that was suggested to me several years ago. Uh, I couldn't do a 28-day program. I could not go away from my life for 28 days. But I could manage seven. 
And uh, it was recommended to me that I go check out a place called, uh, I kept hearing about it from friends who'd been, who marked it as one of the pivotal experiences of their life. I go try out uh, OnSite, a great uh, organization and facility that's been around for how many years now? Twenty. It's been 33 years. 33 years, man. In Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee, not far from Nashville. Uh, I signed up for their mothership program, the Living Centered program. And uh, and it really it was the best gift uh, I have ever given myself, and I and I have since given it to some members of my family. Uh, I think that I went farther, accomplished more, experienced more in that week uh, than I would have in another couple years of recovery. Uh, and I remember coming out of that week feeling more connected with myself than I'd felt since I was maybe five or six years old. More alive. So alive I felt like I was vibrating. Now, I wasn't able to sustain that peak experience, but it was certainly a major part of reconnecting me with... Uh, with my own heart, with my own emotional life. Uh, it gave me help I desperately needed. So I'm very grateful to OnSite and excited to learn that OnSite is a, uh, about to launch a program that is explicitly Christian. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the week I went was not... I want to get to that, but before we do, Bill, thank you so much for coming. And I, I wonder if you could share with me and share with us... Uh, a little bit about your story. How in the world uh, did you wind up where you are? Wow. Well, it's one of those winding roads, mm -hmm. <laughs> as I guess a lot of people. I grew up in this um, grew up in Nashville, mm -hmm. Nashville area, and um, had uh, one older brother. And it was, um, you know, kind of I guess your fairly normal looking family. Um, it did, but. What um, what I had inside of me is what we were just talking about in the meeting earlier. There was this there was this fear that I began to grow up with that um, was I going to be okay? And um, it, it it what I began to build on myself was this persona uh, that I needed to be up on the box. I needed to be up on the pedestal somehow. <clears throat> and um, I began to find that um, at first it was. It was enough to just try to be good. <laughs> now, of course, I kept failing at it, but but I would look good and 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 really trying. And I mean, that was really my thing. And I grew up in a in a home where they did teach me about God, and and it was a Christian home. But I kept finding myself never feeling like ever that I that I measured up, that I was going to be okay. Uh, even wound up in dabbling in the ministry just a little bit, and <clears throat> and feeling like such a hypocrite. Um, and until finally I found that the only way I knew how to do it was to live a double life. And the double life for me was um, looking really one thing on the outside, and that's who it is I really wanted to be. Um, but behind the scenes, I was petrified that I would not get my needs met. And so then I would learn how to live underground for another part of the time. Um, which wasn't most of the time, and I could rationalize that by saying, well, most of the time I'm, I'm who I really kind of want to be. Um, but what I found was there wasn't this sense of integrity that no matter if I got um, 
into a place um, where I was really, really lonely, um, then what I would do is I would say, well, then I kind of deserve to, to build this other relationship over here on the side where nobody else really knows about that. And that was a place where I finally began to come in and out of that um, for a good period of my life. <clears throat> um, there was a um, there was a real I guess several turning points um, defining moments for me but I think I had come to the place where I really really knew I loved God but I just I couldn't figure out you know where this real deep loneliness and this and this heartache it seemed like was coming from and I would blame um, blame other people for that <clears throat> um, and finally was was in the midst of, of <clears throat> at this one point kind of a an emotional affair really <clears throat> that was taking place pardon me <clears throat> and um, I found myself really being confronted by a couple of my best friends um, looking at me and saying you know what's going on and just right to their face just lying um, and just saying no this is not what this is this isn't really that big of a deal um, and finally being, I guess you could say, exposed. And the way I put it is, is if there had been any dark corner I could have still hidden in, I think <clears throat> I would have admitted to only what um, I had been exposed about and still left the rest. But instead it felt like having a spotlight shined on me, but I was in a room that was a sphere instead of a, of a box. <clears throat> and so there was no dark corner. And at first, it was terrifying. But I kept hearing, oddly enough, kept hearing from God this sense of, I am not leaving you. And I just, I couldn't understand that. <clears throat> because my experience then began to be, I did have a few people that did leave me. Um, couldn't understand that, but basically it was because I had, I think I had hurt some people that really were close to me and lied to them and and really, I'm sure they didn't know whether I was going to be real or authentic or not. Um, and that, for me, I think began a road of finding that everywhere I went, I kept bumping into me and that I wasn't this good guy overall, like I wanted to just say that I was. Uh, that I really did need the grace of God and the mercy uh, of God. And I found myself reading over and over and over again the story of the prodigal son. And finding myself um, in that prodigal son, in that younger son's role, <clears throat> and um, looking for every way in the world why I deserve to come back in. And I finally, now, at that point in my life, realized I didn't deserve squat. And um, lo and behold, I wound up finding that there were some other people, though, that in my life that were drawn to that level of honesty. And I, at that point, couldn't understand why anybody would be drawn. I'll never forget sitting at a, at a lunch table one day with, with a guy that was a new friend of mine. <clears throat> and he said, you know, either you could be honest with me and in a couple of years we might be really pretty close friends. Or you could kind of keep the way you are and in a couple of years we'll be still pretty good acquaintances. <laughs> and I'll never forget sitting there being terrified, thinking, oh, no, this is, this is the opportunity and beginning to share with him the honesty of my story and knowing that he was going to walk away, and he didn't. And that, for me, was one of what I began to experience, a number of, of invitations to be real and to be honest. And that, through all that, where God just continued to say, I'm not leaving you, and he continued to be there present with me, 
and I began to continue to find that there was mercy and there was um, love, um, that truly was a, a change of, of life for me. And I won't say it's it's made everything now where I never struggle anymore. What I now can do is I can struggle out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can know now that um, if I really do get to struggle out loud, I get have some fear about that still, that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you're not going to like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or sometimes I'm hanging around some people that I'm going, well, maybe my story needs to be worse. You know, yeah, 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 so yeah, I can match yeah, in with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I finally found that you know my story is my story, and I truly believe, and my experience has been that if I can really hang out there and keep trusting in God, um, that um, it it keeps working out. Yeah. So that's kind of a quick uh, yeah. a quick that's version. Good, wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. wow. Uh, now, how long have you been with Onset? Yeah, I stopped suddenly because I didn't know if we needed to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you got the rest of the show here. Uh, I don't think you were at Onset when I went, and I think it's been, man, it's been six or seven years since I went. Were you there then? Well, I actually went my very first time in 1999. Uh-huh. Uh, went to a professional um, training, the Experiential Therapy yeah, Institute. Yeah, 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 yeah. And went in there, and I went, oh, my goodness, this is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. i got to be a part of this. And yeah. so I went back to the Living Center program uh-huh. in um, 2000. Right. Um, just uh, was blown away. Mm-hmm. And, and part of what you said, too, it was this you know, six and a half days where you get to pull away from everything in life, um, and what was so wonderful was that I got to go with all of my own judgment and all of my own fears that this wasn't going to work. Because, and one of the things I tell people there now when they'll come, they'll say, you know, I know that most of you come without hope, without thinking that you're going to have any hope. Yeah. Because hope has been dashed yeah. so many times. It yeah. had been dashed for me. Yeah. And so I went kind of thinking, okay, something maybe is going to happen here, but it's probably not going to be that great because I've kind of lost hope that there's going to be anything that wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, boy, I mean, just it, it made this huge shift for me that began to allow me to start hearing other things, to start opening myself up. And, of course, it has been a long progress, but that really sold me on what could take place. And I found myself um, actually letting myself start to fall apart so that I could begin to learn how to grow back together. You know, on the the topic of comparison, one of the ground rules for the the week, what a powerful rule it was. I said, all right, you know, welcome here. Okay, here, here are the rules. You're not allowed to tell anybody what you do yeah. for a living. Isn't that great? <laughs> so I was there for a week, and I was, and it, it's astonishing to me. It was then. I mean, yeah. how much I base my judgments oh, what people do. on what people do for yeah. a living. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And deprived of that information. Yeah. I was able much more easily to see them as people and equal to me, and we could just be in a room together. Well, that's one of the things that I love about OnSite. I found it then. I've tried to continue to make sure we sustain it now, and it it does. But I like to say, what if? What if there was a place that was so safe, so unbelievably safe, that you could not only not have to use what you do for a living Mm -hmm. or if you don't like what you do that you don't have to hide from it but that you could also be absolutely free to say everything that you've ever done Mm -hmm. every secret that you've ever been hiding and to be in an environment where people said 
okay, so how's that affecting you? Yeah. And to be able to be with some other people that really support you. Yeah. yeah. I, what I find is, what I found then and what I continue to find is that this, this thing began to happen in me that I go, well, then if I don't have to be afraid of telling you who I am, I got to actually explore who it was that I am and decide, is that okay with me and do I want to do anything different about that? And find that there were other people that had done the same stuff, some not as bad, some worse, but we were not judging each other. Right, yeah. And then get to say, then how do I actually want to live my life and how do I find some tools to do something yeah, differently? Yeah. And that was, to me, one of the most freeing things I've ever experienced on earth. So, so that was kind of some of your experience. It was, it was, it was. Now, uh, when I went, uh, I was still suffering uh, so much the uh, slings and arrows, I think, of my Christian upbringing. Yeah. Uh, and so much Christian language was freighted for me uh, negatively that it was actually helpful for me to go through the Living Center program which was not explicitly Christian. Right. I still felt the presence of God. I still knew uh, that it was the Holy Spirit at work. Uh, but somehow, uh, without those, uh, you know, mm-hmm. religiously conditioned mm-hmm. connotations, mm-hmm. Uh, I was, it, it was very good for me. Yeah. Now, at this point in my life, I would... I would love to go through that experience again, being yeah. able just to put Christian names on things. Well, and and I have the same experience that you did, and, and I think there was something freeing about that. And I, and this is why it's taken a long time for us to kind of get to to grow this program because there's so much fear about if we put Christian labels on something, suddenly we're not going to have the freedom to really be who I am. Yeah. Or if I'm really, really angry, suddenly I can't show how angry I really am or, right. or say the words that fall out of my mouth right. because I'm going to be judged. And, um, and in the slow progression of this program, um, finally the name came to me, and I really think it was one of those things that tumbled out of, uh, out of a conversation that God and I were having at the moment, mm-hmm. but was prodigal love. Mm-hmm. Because number one, I felt like I had been the prodigal son, and number two, when you look up the word prodigal, it really means this just incredibly lavish, yeah. um, almost wasteful, um, lavish giving. And so when you when you put that with prodigal love, it's that's what God gives to us is this so much love poured out that I can't even begin to understand how much He loves me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Um, if I can can walk into an environment where that is true, yeah. then there is that kind of safety because his desire is not his desire, and, and I began to see that, of course, more recently when in, after my own expose, mm-hmm. is to understand that that God has always been about trying to draw me to Him yeah. rather than trying to find ways to condemn. In fact, there's this incredible passage. And I'm not one that can obviously all the time quote scripture, but it's in, I think it's in Second Samuel 14, but but um, you know that may not be it. But there's this wonderful passage that when David um, had not brought back his son Absalom, and um, after Absalom had had killed the the, the brother that had raped his half sister and all this incredible stuff and pain in the family, and um, David who is now king, and when he had not brought back his son. 
because I think he really didn't want to deal with all this stuff. There is this point where a person says to him, you know, God is, you know, people, uh, first of all, you know, die and they pass away like the waves on the sand. But God is not, not that way. And he says, and God looks for ways for the banished to not have to be banished any longer. And I just love that because that's what it felt like for me. I felt like I was without hope. I felt like I was banished. And I didn't really deserve anything else. And it was God that came and rescued me from God. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that is the part that I could never understand. It's the God who I was so afraid of. And God says, well, here, let me hide you in the cleft of the rock. Let yeah. me hold you in my hand to keep you from the wrath of, of me. Yeah. And I've never been able to understand that, but I've just had to learn how to accept it. Yeah. And that, to me, is what I want to have created so that when people come to even this Christian program, they don't come going, they're going to learn theology. I don't want to, I hope yeah. that this will be the last place in the world they would think to argue about theology. Right. Yeah. Because what I love that, that people will come away with going, oh my goodness, you mean God loves me too? Yeah. 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 Um, and if they're the younger son and they go, it doesn't matter what I've done, you mean God still loves me? Or if they're the older son yeah. who says, you know, I've done everything right. How come my heart is still so hardened and I am still so angry and resentful that things haven't worked out for me? That that person can come too and both of them find out that God's love will just absolutely melt those barriers we place around our hearts. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. One of the stories I tell there, um, and I grew up in a family that's like most people's, I guess. We had some wonderful stuff. I, I had some great um, parents and, and an older brother that, that um, you know, a lot of wonderful things took place around. But this one story <clears throat> was one of those not-so-great moments. And, um, and something had happened, but my mom and I had gotten into it that morning. I was in sixth grade. And, um, and um, I was in sixth-grade classroom, and my mom came and knocked on the door and called me out in the hallway. And she was still in that agitated state, but she asked me, would I forgive her? And I was in that place already in my life that I was not being honest. I didn't want people to know how I really felt because I thought I would be rejected. And I remember standing there in that moment in the hallway thinking, maybe I can be honest and maybe I can say what I really feel. And I remember saying to her, Mom, I don't know, because I wanted to talk about it. And what I got in that moment was her own place from her own woundedness. And she made this kind of exasperated yelp and walked down the hallway away from me. And what I did is I turned and faced her and began to yell down the hallway, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And what I was sorry for was not that I had done anything wrong. What I was sorry for was I was afraid my mom was leaving me. Not that she was going to physically leave me, but that emotionally I wasn't going to be on that pedestal anymore and I didn't know how I would survive. And now she was dealing with her own frustrations in life and feeling in that moment, I'm sure, the shame of her own son not being willing to forgive. But what that did is I remember walking back in my sixth grade classroom with a smile on my face, pretending nothing had been wrong. And there was a commitment that grew up in my heart that said, I will never, ever do that again. Mm -hmm. I will never be honest about my feelings Mm -hmm. because that did not go well. And the rest of my life, I have learned that I've been living with this commitment, a commitment to not show you who I am because I will get abandoned. And so I have to do what is against my nature, what it seems at least, 
is to begin to keep letting people try to know who I am, at least the majority of the people that I feel like there's some trust in. Yeah. Because um, to go back to that way of living and protecting myself is not the way that I want to live. And it certainly didn't get me anything that I really wanted in life. Yeah. And to me, what I find that it takes place at on-site is that we give a, a, either some of our programs are six days, some of them are four and a half days. We get to come and just drop all of that and get to be with some other people. So whether it's the Living Center program or the Learning to Love Yourself program or we've got a trauma program, uh, we've got a healing sexual issues program for men um, or this Prodigal Love program and then there's also some couples program. And the Healing Money Issues. And the Healing Money Issues program. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And then we've got some intensive programs where it's either one individual and a a therapist for four and a half days Mm -hmm. or a couple with a therapist for four and a half days. Um, All of those, no matter which one, and we'll help you find which program may be best for you. It's um, We try to make it where it's affordable, um, where you can get to get away, and you, you get to this beautiful campus where it's like close to 70 acres, out in the wilderness, it seems, uh, this beautiful place, uh, all your meals provided for you, and you get to just get away for it and just focus on what in the world is going on that you want to be able to try to transform. It's a very special pet place and a very special gift. Boy, Bill, I'm so glad you came to join us. Now, people can can find out more, more about you on the web at onsiteworkshops. Yeah. Onsiteworkshops, with an S at the end of it, dot com. Yeah. And um, they can look at all the different programs. And um, um, and I do, I do want to say, I had someone that's a, an old regular at Onsite, when they found out about the, this Prodigal Love program, they came up to me with fear because it was like, oh, no. Is this going to take away our safety? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is a, is a legitimate question. And I said, no, I said, what this is about is kind of what I said a minute ago, but this is a place where a person can come where we can really talk about rather than necessarily just um, higher power or other things from people's lives who are certainly free to come Mm -hmm. that don't believe. But this is a place where also you can come and be able to put the, the name of the God that you do believe in, if it's a Christian, and still, though, have just as much freedom to talk about the pain in your heart to let the same words that may tumble out of your mouth that might never be okay to you feel like to, to have those in a church building, um, but to be able to cry out and have that cry out that why is this pain that's going on in my life and see if we can do, come up with um, and leave there with a whole different feeling of I believe that God is there for me and I yeah. love Him, even if I don't have a whole lot of other questions still answered yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I love about it. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's what I think that's taken place in the Samson Society. Yeah. Yeah. Is in the meetings there is that same kind of safety. Yeah. That same oh, yeah. type of sure. thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's been a great visit. I see our time is coming to an end. Thank you again, Bill, for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Right, David you. Jones, good to see you. Yeah. And we'll be thinking of you and praying for you uh, and the brothers who you have yet to meet down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. It's a work in progress, Nate. Thank you so much. Love you, brother. All right. Until next week, Nate Mondo wishing you all the best from the Pirate Monk Podcast.